the Bible. This isn't your typical book. So this isn't your typical book club. It's the Bible Book Club. Where you don't even have to read the book because we read it for you. Sounds like a dream come true. Welcome Welcome to to the the club. club. When last we left you... In episode 15, we are in chapter 20 of Exodus, and my I will start this episode with my big Bible bender from last episode. Oh, good. My Bible bender was this. All of these laws, which I've always read as some kind of craziness, like what is going on back there in the Old Testament? Yeah. They all boil down to two things, really. And they're the things that Jesus figured out that nobody else figured out. Love God, love people. That's Mm -hmm. what all these laws mean. Mm -hmm. So let's not get bogged down in the details of the laws, even though we're getting into them here on the Bible Book Club, because that's what we do. And they're going to get a little crazy this week, too. But really, it all comes down to this. Love God, love people. Mm -hmm. That's what they were supposed to do then, and that's what we were supposed to do today. And that was his intent, even though they sound crazy to us. Where they were coming from is where he, he began. Yeah. But just so you remember where we were and the things that we covered last time so that you will follow and track with us on the things we're going to cover this time, here were the three concepts. God is constantly reminding the Israelites that there is redemption, there is worship, and then there is the law. Those are the three concepts that came out of what happened on the mountain with Moses, right, Mm -hmm. that he gave to the people. So God gave Israel three types of laws. The Ten Commandments are the moral laws, the Book of the Covenant, the civil laws, and the ceremonial laws, how to live spiritually. So in that episode last time, we covered the laws of the book, including laws about worship, slavery, personal injury, and property. And now we're going to continue in the Book of the Covenant. So remember, Moses is still up at the top of the mountain. He's up there for a while, and he is writing all this down. He's really not even even telling it to the Israelites yet. He's going to do that in chapter uh, 24. So he's just camped out up there. We're stuck in the middle of his narrative. And uh, as Heather said, the book of the covenant is God's instructions on how Israel should live as a nation. He was calling people to this higher standard of love and obedience. The specifics of the laws we are about to read may have changed. But remember, the nature of the purpose behind the laws has not changed. In this episode, We're going to read about more laws in the Book of the Covenant, including laws about social responsibility, mercy, worship, justice, and Sabbath. Chapter 22 starts with laws about social responsibility. In verse 16, if a man seduces a virgin who is not pledged to be married and sleeps with her, he must pay the bride price. She shall be his wife. If her father absolutely refuses to give her to him, he must still pay the bride price for virgins. Thank goodness this law does not make sense to us today because we wouldn't like it. However, this law does not pertain to rape, as you might assume. The use of the word seduction is taken to mean that the girl was enticed but willing. So the seduction of a virgin was considered an attack on a family possession because her virginity was worth money and the price of it was owed to the father, not her. Therefore, the seducer had to pay the bride price for damaging the girl. However, the father did not have to give her to the seducer as a wife if he didn't like the man. Yeah, and that's just crazy. They should have had to pay a lot more than that, but Well, whatever. we don't know what the amount was, but <laughs> could have been a lot. <laughs> All right, let's keep going. Oh, she may, she may have been glad, though, because then she could be his wife. I mean, she was enticed and she was willing. Who knows what was going on back then? Some of these laws just make me mad. I and know. if they make you mad, too, well, then... We understand. Yes. 
Verse 18, do not allow a sorceress to live. More death penalty here. A sorceress can also be translated as a witch. And this is the first mention and admonition of witchcraft in the Bible. Every form of witchcraft appeals to a power that is not God, which breaks the first commandment. The practice of witchcraft was therefore an act of rebellion against God and as such was a capital crime. Verse 19, anyone who has sexual relations with an animal is to be put to death. Bestiality was a cult practice among the Canaanites. And remember, God is preparing the Israelites to go into the land of Canaan and take it over as promised. So he is preparing them for any temptations that may come to them. And bestiality may be one of them. Verse 20. Whoever sacrifices to any God other than the Lord must be destroyed. Well, we kind of already covered that. He's covering that again. That was the first commandment. All right. Next, we move into laws about mercy. Mercy is compassion or forgiveness shown towards someone whom it is within one's power to punish or harm. The synonyms for mercy include grace, pity, charity, humanity, kindness, sympathy, tolerance, and generosity. Mercy is mentioned over 120 times in the Bible. One of the most known mentions is from the Beatitudes in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew and comes with a promise. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Throughout the Bible, God models mercy, teaches mercy, and calls us to be merciful. Mercy, compassion, grace, kindness, sympathy, tolerance, generosity, embody a beatitude that would greatly change the nations and our world today. And I think Jesus also was calling out the Pharisees at one point too, right? Right. You guys are looking for a reason to condemn me, but you guys don't even you you bring up the laws and you hold everybody to these high standards, but you've forgotten the law of mercy right. yourself. Exactly. The net these next three laws about mercy are applied to the poor, the widow, the orphan, and the alien, because God sees that they have few natural protectors in society. So they are to be shielded by God because of their vulnerable state. Verse 21. Do not mistreat or oppress a foreigner for For you were foreigners in Egypt. Remember, mercy is compassion shown towards someone who you have the power to harm. Citizens of countries have the power to harm foreigners. Instead, we should show mercy. Yeah, and I'm thinking about that story that we read way back in Genesis, if you were with us then, where the men showed up in the angels showed up in the county square and they came to Sodom and Gomorrah. Yeah. And that is probably what he's addressing here, that practice of disgracing any foreigner so they would not come back. And yeah, it perfectly fits. Mercy is not just showing kindness. It's showing kindness when you could actually harm someone, which is an extra measure like those in Sodom and Gomorrah. They, a foreigner came in, they were unprotected, and they all wanted to, you know, assault them. Yeah. All right, verse 22, do not take advantage of the widow or the fatherless. If you do, they cry out to me. I will certainly hear their cry. My anger will be aroused and I will kill you with the sword. Your wives will become widows and your children fatherless. The elderly widow and orphan children are at risk to be taken advantage of, neglected, or abused. Now, if you're new to BBC, you may not know that this podcast is an extracurricular activity for Heather and me. (laughs) We do have day jobs, and mine is at Family First, and our two main programs are All Pro Dad and iMom, because our vision is for every child to know the love of a mom and dad. And because of that vision, fostering and adoption are often a focus for us 
at Family First. Fatherlessness in particular is a growing problem in our nation. Over and over, we will see that God designed the family unit for the protection of children and society. And that protection requires parents. So if you're hearing this for the first time, ponder how you can show mercy through adoption, fostering, supporting a single mom, or supporting a foster family. Verse 25, if you lend money to one of my people among you who is needy, do not treat it like a business deal. Charge no interest. If you take your neighbor's cloak as a pledge, return it by sunset, because that cloak is the only covering your neighbor has. What else can they sleep in? When they cry out to me, I will hear, for I am compassionate. I love the detail of this law. Again, we're, we're seeing a very simple um, society here where even your cloak is important. God has compassion and concern for the needy, and the proper motive for lending money to to the poor is to help them, not make a profit off of them. And the fact that in this example, someone would have to give their cloak as collateral speaks to the desperation of their poverty. That's all they have. And the lender should have mercy and give it back so that they don't freeze to death. In all three of the above laws, we see that God loves his people dearly. His desire is to protect them from abuse at the hands of fellow Israelites. God's people must avoid any tendency to become like the Egyptians who oppress them, including how they treat each other or foreigners and how they worship, which he outlines more in the next four laws about worship. Verse 28. Do not blaspheme God or curse the ruler of your people. Do not hold back offerings from your granaries or your vats. You must give me the firstborn of your sons. Do the same with your cattle and your sheep. Let them stay with their mothers for seven days, but give them to me on the eighth day. You are to be my holy people. So do not eat the meat of an animal torn by wild beasts. Throw it to the dogs." All four of these laws are reminders to the Israelites that their best belongs to God. The reference to the firstborn was covered in detail in chapter 13. God commanded them then to consecrate the firstborn. To consecrate or sanctify means to be set apart for God's service. Every firstborn male, people and animals were to be consecrated for the Lord. Why? Because God had redeemed the firstborn male and animal on the Passover night. Again, another reminder back Back to where we started. All right, the next laws about justice and mainly matters of legal justice. We don't have the specifics for how the Israelites would have filed these injustices. However, we do know that Moses followed Jethro's advice in chapter 18 and delegated his responsibility to judge to others. Most of these laws are easily understood and point to character qualities that we should strive for today. Verse 23, do not spread false reports. Do not help a guilty person by being a malicious witness. Like I said, today in the New Testament, this law is reiterated in Colossians 3.9. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices. Verse 2, do not follow the crowd in doing wrong. When you give testimony in a lawsuit, do not pervert justice by siding with the crowd. Following the crowd and doing wrong is a very dangerous place to be. The most famous trial in history of a man wrongly accused by a crowd attest to what can transpire when the crowd goes crazy. Mark 15, 6 talks about that trial. Now, it was the custom at the festival to release a prisoner whom the people requested. A man called Barabbas was in prison with the insurrectionists who had committed murder in the uprising. The crowd came up and asked Pilate to do for 
them what he usually did. Do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? Asked Pilate, knowing it was out of self-interest that the chief priests had handed Jesus over to him. But the chief priests stirred up the crowd to have Pilate release Barabbas instead. What shall I do then with the one you call the king of the Jews? Pilate asked them. Crucify him, they shouted. Why? What crime has he committed? Asked Pilate, but they shouted all the louder. Crucify him. Wanting to satisfy the crowd, Pilate released Barabbas to them. He had Jesus flogged and handed him over to be crucified. Do not follow the crowd. I think it's also worth noting that God, when he gave this law, he knew what was to come. Yes. Yes. And still the Israelites, the very Israelites that he is so tenderly protected and brought out are the ones that crucified his son. So it's an even bigger act of mercy that he has given us. That all are included if they believe in Jesus Christ. Grateful. Verse three, and did not show favoritism to a poor person in a lawsuit. This seems a little odd after all the exhortation to take care of the poor, but God is just saying, be fair. Leviticus 19.15 is going to explain this small text in greater detail. It says, do not pervert justice, do not show partiality to the poor or favoritism to the great, but judge your neighbor fairly. Verse four, if you come across your enemy's ox or donkey wandering off, be sure to return it. If you see the donkey of someone who hates you fallen down under its load, do not leave it there. Be sure you help them with it. I I wish we so could translate all of these to like today, like not the donkey example, but it would take so much time. But basic kindness, even to your enemies, is a principle which is also straight from the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians in the New Testament. God's people were and are called to do what is right, not what feels right. It might feel right to watch your enemy suffer. It's still not right. You need to help them pick up their donkey. (laughs) Yeah. And even if it's not your enemy, I know you don't want to list out all the examples, but I I definitely, what that made me think of an example of, you were talking about your job in my job. I'm a media executive and I was on a business trip once in New York and my boss had left his wallet in the cab in New York City with millions of people there. It was like, that thing's gone. You're not getting that thing back. And in New York, post 9-11, you have to show your ID to get into any building. And it was the first day of our trip. We just had gotten there. There was no way he was going to get into, I mean, you can't get a replacement ID. He was, it was a wasted trip. Somebody found that in the cab and they called him. They, they went back to their room. They looked him up on LinkedIn and found his number and called him and he got his wallet back within a matter of uh, one night. Wow. It was crazy. That's sweet. But the point is, if you find something that doesn't belong to you, return it. It's simple. Yeah. But people don't do that. We are to treat others with love, whether we love them or not. In this case, that person didn't even know your boss. Right. But it's still, okay, what would I want somebody to do with if it were my wallet? Yeah. And they went out of their way. Go out of your way. Yeah. Verse six, do not deny justice to your poor people in their lawsuits. Have nothing to do with a false charge and do not put an innocent or honest person to death for I will not acquit the guilty. Do not accept a bribe for a bribe blinds those who see and twists the words of the innocent. Do not oppress a foreigner. You yourselves know how it feels to be foreigners because you were foreigners in Egypt. 
So clearly God knew that they were at risk to the temptation of doing to others what had been done to them by the Egyptians. And he warned them often that God's compassion and love were to be shown to all. And that really comes full circle in the New Testament. So the book of the covenant ends with laws about the Sabbath and an outline of three festivals the Israelites were to celebrate. The laws were to prepare the Israelites for life in Canaan, where they could and would own, plant, and plow land, and which should have occurred in short order after the reading of the Book of the Covenant, had they not rebelled and consequently had to wander in the desert for 40 years. All right, here are those laws about the Sabbath. Verse 10, for six years you are to sow your fields and harvest the crops, but during the seventh year, let the land lie unplowed and unused. Then the poor among your people may get food from it, and the wild animals may eat what is left. Do the same with your vineyard and your olive grove. So this is just a great um, extension of the fourth commandment to honor the Sabbath day. And why? So that the poor and the wild animals may have food. Again, God is concerned with shielding those who have no protection in society. Do you think God was also teaching them good agricultural principles? Oh, in it all telling works together that? for good. All of God's plans work together for good in science, um, you know, physically, mentally, spiritually. He... We talked about this earlier while the mic was off, but I feel like God has this great recipe he's building us toward, and he just keeps mixing things in and stirring around, but it all comes back. It all comes back and feeds into the other principles he laid in below. And it's like the flavor is just getting fuller and richer and more complicated and complex. And at the end, it's just a beautiful bake. Yeah, it's like he really knows what he's doing. It's all about the food to me, people. <laughs> Verse 12. Six days do your work, but on the seventh day do not work, so that your ox and your donkey may rest, and so that the slave born in your household and foreigner among you may be refreshed. Be careful to do everything I have said to you. Do not invoke the names of other gods, and do not let them be heard on your lips. So again, repeating the Sabbath laws and the laws to honor God underscores the importance of these commands in God's eyes. Okay, the three annual festivals is what God covers next with Moses. And they correspond to the three different stages in Israel's agricultural year. Again, remember where they are. They're herders right now. They've just, you know, exited from Egypt, but they're moving into Canaan where they are going to plant and plow. They're going to settle down. So he's preparing them. So the first festival is the festival of unleavened bread. Verse 14. Three times a year, you are to celebrate a festival to me. Celebrate the festival of unleavened bread. For seven days, eat bread made without yeast, as I commanded you. Do this at the appointed time in the month of Aviv, for in that month, you came out of Egypt. So we've talked about this this first festival. Um, yeah, he already gave back them this, in Exodus right? 12. Yeah, he, again, he, re- he reiterates things. I don't think they had, you know, they didn't have books back then. So yeah. you got to keep telling people. Right, repetition but this is first important. Ce- exactly. This first celebration corresponds with the Passover night. The Israelites' night of deliverance and was described in, it was in Exodus 12. No yeast is to be eaten for a week from the 14th to the 21st day of the first month, the month of Abib. The second is the festival of harvest. No one is to appear before me empty-handed. Celebrate the festival of harvest with the first fruits of the crops you sow in your field. So this festival is also going to be 
called in other books, the Festival of Weeks. And it is held seven days after the Festival of Unleavened Bread. It is an offering of the first fruits of the harvest. So think about like we live in Florida, those first oranges, those first strawberries, the very first ones turn red. That's what you offer. And it is in anticipation of the full harvest to come, which is the subject of the third festival. Celebrate the festival of ingathering at the end of the year when you gather your crops from the field. At the time of this writing, Moses is writing, agriculture was significant for survival. This festival was to celebrate the gift of the promised land in Canaan and the fruits from that gift that provided their daily bread. Now, hang with me here. If you have ever read 1 Corinthians 15, 20 and wondering what in the world Paul was talking about, here you go. He was referring to these two festivals as an analogy for Christ. And it says in those verses, But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. But as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. But each in turn, Christ, the first fruits, then when he comes, those who belong to him. Christ's resurrection from the dead is the first fruit of God's harvest. It is evidence of the full harvest harvest to come, the resurrection of all the believers. Yeah. And I love when you bring it all around to the New Testament, what we're reading now in the Old Testament, because he was saying, give me your firstborn, give me your first cattle. He's like, I'm giving you hints all along the way. I think the other thing he's doing is he's making it look like a really fun thing to be a Jew because all yes. they do is party all the time. I mean, wouldn't you want to just go hang out and party with these guys oh, all at the these time? Festivals, you mean? <laughs> yeah. at the it's festivals. like it's like well, they were a little more time. reverent than you're picturing, Heather. <laughs> you know, it sounds fun to me. <laughs> sounds fun to you. But I love how he um, he brings it back. Like you can't to me, you can't read the New Testament without reading the Old Testament. You won't understand what what the disciples are saying half the time, right? Which like is Paul, why if you've ever here. been confused, that could be why. And that's why read and understand exactly what, what, what they're referring to. So we are going to put in the show notes a chart of all the Jewish festivals because we will refer to them as we move through the Old Testament and it'll be helpful to us. All right, four final laws and then we are out of the Book of the Covenant and back. We're Next week, we're going to be back in our narrative, Moses on the Mountain. Verse 17, three times a year, all the men are to appear before the sovereign Lord. Do not offer the blood of a sacrifice to me along with anything containing yeast. The fat of my festival offerings must not be kept until morning. Bring the best of the first fruits of your soil to the house of the Lord your God. So these three, no yeast, disposal of fat, and first fruits, provide more detail for the festivals of unleavened bread and the festival of the harvest. And we will talk more about those in the future, trust me. Continuing on in verse 19, do not cook a young goat in its mother's milk. Well, what does that mean? <laughs> Apparently, the Egyptians had the Egyptians had a superstitious rite at the end of their harvest of cooking a goat in its mother's milk and sprinkling the broth as a magical charm on their gardens, which would directly violate that law oh, about witchcraft totally. and about having exactly. idols. <laughs> 
So the Egyptians thought that this made their field more productive in the next season. It was a practice that God just didn't want the Israels to repeat. So yeah. he said, don't do it. No, Which idolatry. is so funny that our Lord God is so detailed that he knows all the little things that are going to tempt them, whether it's from the Egyptians or the Canaanites. He's like ahead of time, like a parent teaching them, nope, we're not going to do that. Just just before you go into that party, nope, you're not going to touch that. You're not going to do that. You're For not going to sit here. <laughs> you're not going to do this. So much of what God dictates to the Israelites is the undoing of bad habits from the surrounding cultures. Now, my note is, is this not true today? What do you have to unlearn? What have you picked up from the culture, your friends or family that you know God would like you to leave behind? What's a club without friends? If you're enjoying the Bible Book Club, why don't you share it? And then you can say, welcome Welcome to to the the club. club. New episodes drop every Monday and get all episodes now on Amazon Music. As always, head over to SusanMe.com slash Bible Book Club for show notes from today's episode. Bible Book Club is hosted by Susan Merrill and Heather Rubio, edited by Buck Buchanan, produced by Haley Mawatt.